Welcome to the Overcomers Podcast. Today, you'll be hearing a message from our very own Pastor Richard D. Dobbs, entitled, We Need the Holy Spirit to Do Right by God. We need to take heed to the Holy Spirit so we can help others to be led by the Spirit just as we are. From wherever you're listening, we hope you're empowered by today's message. Acts chapter 10, we're reading uh, the New King James Version, read verse 44 through 48. Well, Peter was still speaking these words. The Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, said, Can any forbid water that these should not be baptized who have, who, uh, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. We're going to be, our main focus is going to be in verses 44 through 48. And we're actually going to be covering chapter 10. But based on what I've read to you so far, I want to talk to you from this topic. We need the Holy Spirit to do right by God. We need the Holy Spirit to do right by God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word this afternoon. We pray that the word of God will have free course and lives are going to be changed. People are going to be healed and delivered. Father, we come to hear a word from you tonight. We thank God that the word is going to, your blessing is going to fall down in this sanctuary. We're going to receive everything that God has for us tonight. We love you, Father, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. If you go with me to Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. And we'll start out there. Now, uh, notice what it says. There was a certain man in Sisera called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. I want you to notice the characteristics about Cornelius. He was a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generally to the people. And I want you to notice his attitude when it concerning prayer and prayed to God, what, always. Verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision. And notice that evidently he had visions before, but they weren't as clear. But this time it was pretty clear of what was happening. And in in this vision, an angel of God was coming in and said to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. I want you to notice that. The prayers and the giving of the alms that it talks about has came up before a memorial before God. And anytime you're praying, sometimes you may wonder whether or not your prayers are reaching the throne room. But I want you to let you know that your praying is not in vain, that God hears your prayers. And Cornelius, I want you to notice this, Cornelius had a vision from God in which the Lord told him that the works that he did was not in vain. His character, his giving, his praying, as well as his fear of God have purpose behind it. You see that what we read here in the text that the angel said your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. And, and verse 5, it says this. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. I want you to notice that. He told Cornelius just about everything up to a certain point to do. 
He told him, now send men to Joppa. In other words, you don't go. I want you to send men to Joppa. And send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. In fact, I want to tell you exactly whose house you're going to go to. I want you to go to Simon, whose surname is Peter. I want you to go exactly to that house right there. I don't want you to go to any other house. I want you to go to Simon. I want, and then when you get, in fact, I'm, I'm telling you right now where Simon live at. Simon is over there with another man named Simon, uh, excuse me. Now Simon is and sent for Simon, who's serving Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. I'm telling you exactly where his house is at. His house is over there by the sea. He told, listen, he gave him su- such specific instructions that Simon, excuse me, that Cornelius, he can hardly miss it because he got such specific instructions as to what to do. So he's, notice how he put it here. I want you to send men to Joppa, send for Simon, whose surname name is Peter. He, now, Peter is lodging with Simon Atana, whose house is by the sea. I'm going to tell you exactly where he live at. I'm going to tell you whose name is this, who, where he's at. I'm going to tell you exactly where he's living at. He is over there, and he is right at the specific spot that I told you he's going to be at. And when he went there, notice this, he will tell you what you must do. He told him everything except what he must do. I want you to notice something that God's motive of operation is he only going to tell you so much, but he's going to put a man or woman of God in your life to give you instructions as to what you must do. And we need to understand that. We need to understand God's motive of operation because the instructions uh, that Cornelius received from God's vision was to go find a man, man named Simon, whose surname was Peter. He would tell Cornelius what to do. The Lord told him, gave him specific instructions as to what he must do. Told him exactly who he must see, whose house he must go to, so forth and so on. But he did not tell him everything he needed to know. And I think that's important. We need to understand that God will always use a man or woman of God to give us specific instructions about certain things in life. He will not give you everything. Because he could have told Simon, I mean, listen, he told him that much. He could have told him what else what to do. I mean, think about this. He had told you what house to go to, who to see, exactly where that man lived at. Besides, Cornelius had never met, uh, before we, as far as we read here, had never met Peter before. He didn't know. So like I say, I want you to go see this man, where, where he living at. Like if somebody came to your house, not thinking, no, Lord told me to come to your house. Well, who are you? The Lord told me your name is and you live at such and such address. How do you know I live here? Because God told me. What you going to do? Well, you must have Googled it. I don't know. <laughs> because can you use Google back then. It's like, well, you know, I know you live because of so-and-so. No, he knew exactly who to go see. Because, number one, you got to understand something. He couldn't go see anybody. Because if he saw the wrong person, he might have got the wrong information. And so he had to make sure that he saw the right person. And this is what we must understand, that when we get a word from God, we've got to make sure we get the right word at the right season and at the right time. Because that's so important for our deliverance. So let me make sure we recognize God's method of delivery to our dilemma, which is a man or woman of God. Example we see is Job, Moses, Elijah, and Elisha, and so forth. Now, even though they were sent, let's go back and read. Let's go back and read some more. Let's pick it up in verse 7. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among who, uh, who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, 
He sent them to Joppa. Now, I thought this was interesting. These soldiers believe Cornelius' report. Sometimes you can, it's difficult. You believe it don't mean everybody around you going to believe it. But notice his character in Cornelius' life. He was a man that was devout. He was a man who prayed. He was a man who gave alms. He was a good a man of character and an integrity too, I should say. And so therefore, when he said something, people believed it. Do when we say stuff, do people believe it? Based on our character, based on our soundness, based on who we are in Christ. Do they believe it? But they believed him. And so in verse 9, the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up to the household to pray about the sixth hour. Now, I thought this was interesting. You know, when the angel told uh, Cornelius where Peter was going to be at, you know, Peter probably couldn't leave the house if he wanted to. Peter might have thought he was going to go somewhere. And he'd have changed his mind because he had to be at that spot where the angel said he was going to be at. He couldn't go nowhere. Now, let me tell you something. You think sometimes you be ready to leave and, and God said, no, I need you to stay right there for a minute. Oh, look how y'all looking at me now. Understand the text now. Remember, he said Peter was going to be at, at this certain house by the sea. And when you get there, you're going to find him. So Peter had to be there. Because if not, God's word would turn back to him void and it would accomplish what he sent it out to do. But we know that ain't going to happen. Oh, God's word is not going to return back to him void. Let me tell you, Peter might have thought about leaving the house, but he couldn't leave that house until, them, until those men got there. Peter said, I'm not going to go to the store. No, you ain't, Peter. Because Peter would stop. Well, I got to change my mind. Because see, see, the heart of the king is in, in the master's hand. So anytime, he could turn it any which way he can. He might have thought about leaving, but he had to stay right there. Well, I tell you, boy, God got power, don't he? Let me tell you something. When he told the angel that Peter was going to be there at that house, at a certain house, and by the sea, oh, Peter couldn't go nowhere. And so, well, I, I thought it was interesting. That was just fascinating to me. I thought it was kind of interesting. But anyway, uh, Peter went up to the house about to pray about the sixth hour. And, but see, Peter, before I read this, let me say this to you. Peter has some issues going on. He really could minister to Cornelius and his household until God had to deal with Peter's heart first. And so, we look at what God did in order to deal with his heart because I don't think the way I read it here and what from the read here that Peter could have went and ministered with to Cornelius in the right kind of spirit. And sometime before we get ready to go minister, God got to deal with our heart before we go minister to certain people. Because sometimes we can have an attitude before we go because what they did something to us or whatever the case may be. But God would deal with your heart before he sent you out to minister to certain people. Notice what it says here in verse uh, 10. They became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheep bound at the four corners to send it to him and let down to the earth. In verse 12, in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Notice Peter got a little attitude right there. He said, hey, I'm a, I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And, and uh, God was trying to make a point to him. In verse 15, and the voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Ooh-wee. God had to correct him, didn't he? He had an attitude check. His mindset wasn't right. Because, see, see, it wasn't about the food he was eating. It's about his mindset about dealing with certain people. 
this is what the problem was. And so God had to correct that before he, because actually he was sending somebody his way. And he knew that Peter was not in the right mindset to minister to those people. And sometimes we got to watch our mindset. Are we in the right mindset to minister to people sometimes? Because people can catch your attitude. Oh, oh yeah, they think, oh, they think they're a little high-minded, don't they? Oh, they, they come in, quote unquote, with the love of Jesus, but they look high-minded with their love, ain't they? They think they're better than me. I, oh, I see that little attitude in their life. Oh, you got to be careful about stuff like that. And we had to let the Holy Spirit deal with our heart. And sometimes it ain't the sinner tr- God trying to get right. It's us mm-hmm. that God trying to get right. Because, no, that's what happened to Peter. Peter wasn't right. God knew he wasn't right. So God knew... I mean, think about this. You praying all of a sudden, uh, a sheet come down with animals all in and stuff like that. Whoo, good God. My best something to think about. But anyway. And so, verse 14. This was done three times. Peter didn't get it the first time. God had to do it three times to get his attention. Sometimes, you know, we get, now, now no, let me say this to you. Sometimes we get on our truth because we got to say it more than one time. Well, look at Peter. Peter had, had to say it three times before Peter finally got it. In fact, he still had a little problem with it. I, I, let me read to you a little further. Uh, this was done three times, and I was taken up in heaven. Now, verse 17, now while Peter wondered within himself, what was God trying to say to me? <laughs> Woo, you saw it three times. Now, I ain't talking about no ordinary vision, but you still wonder, what God trying to say to me? What, what, God, what God trying to say to me? Sometimes you say, I'm hearing the word, same word over and over again. You ask yourself the question, what is God trying to say to me? What is God trying to say to me? And while Peter wondered with himself what the vision which he had uh, seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Oh, they do a, they do a house to go to. Simon by the sea. Simon, a tanner, I should say, by the sea. They knew exactly where to go to. And Peter couldn't go nowhere. Anymore. He had to be there. And they called and asked uh, whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, notice this, behold, three men are seeking you. Only two came, but it said three men seeking you. Remember, Cornelius was the third man that he doesn't mention there. And arise, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. It's interesting because at the state that they were in, the Holy Spirit sent them. How do we know that God has not sent people in our lives who may not, quote, unquote, look like we think they ought to look, who we have sent them and ministered to? Who do you know that God is sending your life? You're like, hmm, they didn't look like who I thought they were going to look like, but God has sent me to minister to them. Something to think about, ain't I tell you, boy, this word be right. It be correcting all of us. And thank God it do. Verse 21, then Peter went down to the men who had sent, uh, who had been sent to him from, from Cornelius and said, yes, I am he who you see. For what reason have you come? And he said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. And on the next day, Peter went away with them and some brother took Joppa and some brother from Joppa accompanied him. And they, and the following day, they entered Cicera. Now Cornelius was waiting on them. And I noticed this. 
and had called together his relatives and close friends. Well, he wanted he wanted folks to be saved, didn't he? He said, listen, I got some good news. What's interesting about it, I don't even know exactly what he's going to say. But I believe that this is going to change your life for the better. I believe that this is going to be a life-changing moment for all of us. Because he really didn't know what Peter was going to say. Because he was instructed to hear. But notice, he went and got out close relatives as well as friends and family. He was going to make sure that, listen, we're all going to be changed by the power of God today. But some of us need to take heed to what he done and make sure our relatives and close friends and so forth have an encounter with Jesus. Just like we have an encounter with Jesus. Who do we go out and get to have an encounter with Jesus like we're going to have an encounter with Jesus on Wednesday night or Sunday morning? Our relatives and close friends and so forth. And so he went and did that. And so when he did that, he began to minister and he went through what he did and he met up with him and so forth and so on. And he ministered the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Remember now, go back real briefly. Cornelius was praying. An angel came and visited him. He said, go get Peter. Peter, listen, he told told everything to do. He said, Peter going to tell you, give you instructions as to what to do. And so when Peter went, and now he's at the house of Cornelius. Cornelius it's not just his household. He brought family and close friends and relatives. And they're sitting around anticipating what Peter's getting ready to say. Boy, you can you imagine, boy, the expectation was in that room. I believe they were in faith. I believe they were saying, I'm hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And you know what? I believe God filled them too. I believe they were hungry and thirsty for a, a pure word from God. A word that was going to change their life for the better. And so as Peter began to minister to them, we pick it up in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, as he was ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. While Peter was still speaking. He hadn't even finished the sermon yet. I don't know if he was around the corner, close to the end, midway, or whatever the case may be. But while he was still speaking, the Holy Spirit failed. Failed upon all those who heard the word. Boy, ain't it good to be in a place where the Holy Spirit falls in? Boy, I'm telling you something. The Holy Spirit falls, the anointing falls. The anointing falls, healing falls. When healing falls, deliverance falls. Prosperity falls. Peace falls. Joy falls. Lord, God, every good and perfect gift from God falls on our life. Boy, you never know what's going to fall in a, in a Wednesday night on September the, uh, September the what? 2018. What's going to fall tonight? Boy, you could be your answer going to fall tonight. Your deliverance could fall tonight. Boy, you might hear the word tonight that might be the, 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 the very last step to your prosperity, your meeting that status. It could fall right now. Your healing could fall in just a moment or two. Ooh, tell your neighbor, what's going to fall now? What's going to fall now? 
Ooh, you never see. When it failed, it's more than just the Holy Spirit falling. Whatever they needed was getting ready to fail as well. So I thank God he knows what we need. And when he sends a word like that, you know God get ready to send something greater to fall in our lives. Ooh, and when it falls, I got to be ready to receive it. Well, tell you, neighbor, I got to be ready to receive this. Oh, I can't, I, I can't, I can't miss this. I can't miss this because this, this could be what I've been praying for for months. Cause remember that Cornelius had been praying for a while. And his prayers that came before God and God said, I'm ready to take you into a deeper relationship with me. And I'm ready to take you to a higher place with me. Yeah, you, you got this, this relationship right here, but I'm ready to take you to something higher, something greater, something more, more bona fide, more solid, more real. And it was in, it was in when the Holy Spirit fell upon their life. It failed. Those what the Bible says it failed. It fell upon them. And when they heard the word. See, I believe that Christians should believe the word to a point that when the word is proclaimed, we allow the Holy Spirit to feel and refill us with its truth. And when it falls, it's going to fall in our lives. Also, believe we can experience the manifestation of the Holy Spirit's presence through, our, through healing. Forgiveness. When it falls, joy is going to fall. Peace going to fall. Prosperity going to fall. Love going to fall. Answers to everyday problems, situations going to fall. But when you're in the right place with expectation in your spirit, boy, you know you're going to receive your heart's desire. God, get ready to drop something down in our spirits tonight. Just like he's been dropping it that week in and week out. He's getting ready to drop something else in us. And listen, you, listen, eyes have not seen nor ears heard everything that God has prepared for those who love him. God's dropping something in our spirit tonight. He's dropping something in that DNA. He's dropping something that's going to change our life and make our life better. We says better is here and better is coming. Oh, it's better, 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 better. Oh, somebody said, my life is better. My, my life is better. My life is better. Oh, God. You know what I had to be in the place, though? I had to be in a place where I heard the word, though. I had to understand what was being ministered. I had to comprehend what was being taught. What was being ministered. I had to Listen, I had to be taught what was being ministered. I had to perceive what was being proclamated. I had to learn what was being said to me. I had what was be I had to be in a position where I heard the word. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Go to Romans ten and seventeen. Romans chapter ten, verse seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, we get really anchored in Jesus when we hear, understand, and apply his word. We receive confidence to access our breakthrough, our healing, our prosperity, our betters. We understand the revelation that's coming forth uh, as the word is proclaimed. It's so important that we come to God's house and remain eager and enthusiastic about his word. Because I, I, I perceive that God has a word for us tonight. I believe God is dropping something to somebody in this sanctuary. I, I say, well, Pastor, he must be talking about me. I believe he's talking about all of us in him. I believe God got some answers for some situations we're going through. I believe God has some a special anointing that's for some of us we're, that we're dealing with. I believe God has a word for each and every one of us. Oh my! Somebody say, God got a word for me. 
Oh, God got a word for me. Listen, I love you, but I come to hear a word. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank God for Wednesday night service. I come to get a word on my Wednesday night service because I need a word. I can't live without the word. I need a word for Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then I need another word Sunday. You might have to get me in a revival because I might have to come to the revival to get a word because God has a word for all of us in this sanctuary. Somebody say, thank God for the word. So we go back to the text in Acts chapter 10. And again, looking at verse 45. And and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because, notice what it says, the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. He said it was a gift. The gift Something given to someone without payment, a present, was given to the the Gentiles. And see, in my opinion, if we're going to be firm and consistent in healing and obeying the word of God, we need the Holy Spirit poured out of us just as it was for the Gentiles. I told the testimonies be that each day we find ourselves desiring more of his spirit in our lives. As we see here in the text, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Go to Luke 11 and 13. We covered this the other day, but I think we'll just go back to it real quickly. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask them? And so notice this. We, he know how to give good gifts to our children. How much more would the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's a gift. It's a gift. We don't have to pay for it. Thank God he can afford the Holy Spirit. Remember those boys in, in the book of Acts, they tried to buy the Holy Spirit? Oh, my God. They messed up. They whole, were messed up that day anyway, praise God. And so we don't want to be in there trying to buy the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. It's freely given to those. And all we got to do is pretty much just ask for it. Ask for it. Ask for it. Notice what he says. If you want it, ask him for it. I believe truly when you start asking God for the Holy Spirit, your heart begins to go into a position where it gets right with God. You can't ask God for stuff and then God not deal with your heart about asking about it. That's why when you ask him for your heart desire, he get, he puts your heart in a position that desires the right thing. That's why you can't miss it when you ask for God because he continues to sculpt and mold your heart into a position that you're asking for something that is in line with his word. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when I hear the word, my heart shapes and it molds into what God wants it to be. So when I ask him for something, it's already in line with his word. So when I ask him for deliverance, he said, that's already in line with my words. When I ask him for healing, he says, I'm already Jehovah Raha, the Lord thy God that healeth thee. When I ask him for prosperity, he said, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prosper. When I ask him for something, he gives them petitions of our heart because we're already asking for something that is in line with his word. Go back to the text. And so in Acts 10 and 40. Five, it reads as follows, and those of the circumstances who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, uh, because the gift, most the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. Peter recognized that the Holy Spirit had been poured out in, on the Gentiles. It had been shared forth, it had been stole out on the Gentiles. It had been 
I want you to notice that it had been poured out on the Gentiles, bestowed upon the Gentiles. They, remember now, before they got there, before Peter got there, they had, really, I don't think they had no idea what the Holy Spirit was. From what I read in the text, they didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. And sometimes, you got to understand, uh, just because you're praying, don't, don't mean you know what the Holy Spirit is. Don't mean, just because you're, the no description of, the description that we have for Cornelius Back in Acts chapter 10 and verse 2, he was a devout man, he feared God, he gave alms, and he prayed, but he did not have the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? We know some good folks, and you probably know some good folks too, that do probably some of these very things right here, but do not have the Holy Spirit. Because if Cornelius didn't have it, and he made the Bible... What about folks today? In church every Sunday, they vow, they pray, they give, but they don't have the Holy Spirit. Cornelius did not have the Holy Spirit. And so they were, it was poured out to them. And, and, and of course, of course, of course, some people, we read in, in 45, they were astonished. They were amazed. They were, I would say they were shocked, but they were just, they were in wonderment. Because the Lord was pouring out the gift of the Holy Spirit on the Gentiles. Let me say this to you. People are going to be amazed sometimes when they see the change in your life because of the Holy Spirit. But when you start cussing folks out, people are going to be amazed. When you start lying, they're going to be amazed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is training you how to think, how to talk, and how to act. The Holy Spirit is amazing. Well, you'll be in school and, and, and as a student, and you'll be behaving so good, and people went, what in the world happened to? It's the Holy Spirit in their life. Well, he's only 8, 10, 15 years old. 8, 10, and 15 years old can have the Holy Spirit too. They can have it, and they can operate it in it just like grown folks who are 40, 45, 30, 30 to 1 can have the Holy Spirit too and operate in it as well. We all can have the Holy Spirit. They, people were amazed. They were astonished. They were in wonderment because the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles. And the same thing happened today. There will be those who will be amazed that the Lord has changed in the way that we think, talk, and act because of our feeling of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is going to deal with your heart. He's going to deal with your heart. Holy Spirit not not going to dwell in your life. Yeah, you may speak in tongues, but one thing about it, he's going to deal with your heart. How you know he's there? One thing you're going to know, your heart is going to remain the same. There's going to be some stuff you're going to do that you used to get used to do and not even bother you. Holy Spirit is going to deal with your heart. There's going to be some decisions you think. I, I mean, you're going to say some stuff. Holy Spirit going to, like you used to say it, then ain't bother you. Boom, you just said it. Boom, there it is. Walked away. Boom, let chips fall where they may. Boom, there it is. Now. Holy Spirit come to your life and says, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, what do you mean I shouldn't have said that? They deserve for me to say that. Holy Spirit said, no, you shouldn't have said that. You get ready to say something? Holy Spirit going to say, don't say it. What do you mean don't say it? If I don't say it, well, people ain't going to recognize me. I ain't going to recognize me. I need to tell folks how I feel. Holy Spirit going to say, keep your mouth shut. Then he's going to drop a scripture like, 
Hold your peace. Let the Lord fight your battle. What you mean? I used to fight my own battles. Lord said, Lord, let me fight him. Then sometimes he'll say, hey, say this right here, but don't say no more. What you mean? I got to get, I got to tell them what point one, point two, point three, point four, and point five is. He'll say, tell them point one and point two. And hush. What, what, what? No, I can't do that, God. I got to tell them. If I don't tell them, they ain't going to know. Like you bigger than God. God knows what he's doing, y'all. He knows what he's doing. And, and, and learn this. Learn this from me because I've messed it up so many times. When the Holy Spirit say do something, do it. He knows better than we do. If he say hush, hush. If he say give point one, point, point two, and don't give no more, just give one and give two. And this and this what this is what I love about God. And if you mess up, just repent. You get it wrong, repent, ask God to forgive you, and he'll help you along the way. How many thank God for repentance? I mean the Holy Spirit will help. I mean I'm the Holy Spirit how how many can testify to the fact that the Holy Spirit can help you repent? I'm telling you, he'll help you to repent the right way. He'll help you to repent the right way. So they were astonished. They were astonished. Let's go over to verse 46. Remember, the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. How did they know it was poured out on the Gentiles? Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. One side that they knew that believers in Cornelius' house had the Holy Spirit. Remember, it was his, this was Cornelius' house. He had his relatives and his close friends over there. They heard them speak with the tongues and magnify, magnify our king, God. They praised God. So notice it. Notice this. This is all going on in Cornelius' house. They have a church now, y'all. They speaking in tongues, but now all of a sudden now they got a praise sir going on. Now they say they're magnifying God. They're giving God glory. Now I don't know if they were giving God a victory turn, but I can imagine they would make him get a victory turn. They might have jumped a little bit. They might have been saying, Hallelujah. They might have been they were giving God glory. But this is what you gotta understand. They probably didn't know how to do it uh the way it needed to be done, so the Holy Spirit was teaching them as they went along the way. The Holy Spirit was teaching them how to magnify God. See, you think you can magnify God, but God will teach you how to magnify him. Because it's going to come from a pure heart. And that is, to me, the key to, to magnifying God. It ain't, let me say, yes, hallelujah is wonderful. Clapping is good and jumping and turning and jumping is good. But really, praising God from a, a pure heart, to me, is just everything. It is everything. It's got to be from a pure heart. And can people look at our daily life and see that we esteem Jesus highly based on how we talk and carry ourselves? Or do we blend in with our acquaintances? Because in this household, when they received the Holy Spirit, people heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They praise God. They celebrated God. They esteemed him highly. They desired something great. And they gave him the glory. They magnified God. Boy, they were happy, wasn't they? Can you imagine? Uh, Cornelius had called all these people together. And I imagine Cornelius, Cornelius was probably a little bit nervous himself. Because um, Cornelius had an experience, y'all. He had an angel come visit him. And told uh, listen, 
I want you to invite this man you never met before over to your house. Now, it doesn't say that he told, that the angel told him to invite his friends in, but he did it anyway. I'm going to listen. I believe this is going to be an experience that we all can benefit from. And so when he brought his friends in and his uh, uh, family in and relative, close relatives in, they came and they all experienced the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They began to speak with other tongues and they magnify God. Boy, they were having church now, y'all. They were, give, they were giving God the glory. But then, all of a sudden, Peter, with his, Peter jumped in and said this. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized or receive the Holy Spirit just as we have? Notice this. Peter broke up the praise service. <laughs> he said, listen, y'all. Can any forbid water after they have received the Holy Spirit? Can any forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? See, water baptism is important to us as believers because it allows us to identify with his death his burial, and his resurrection. It also provides us with a good conscience that we have been washed and cleansed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, they were, they, they, they were remember now, they were, spoke with tongues, they magnified God. They're praising God, they're giving God the glory. And Peter, I don't know if he stopped the service or they got to a quiet moment where they got tired. Said, you know, you break down from a good praise. Amen. You didn't break down. And then he just break and say, I ain't finished preaching yet, y'all. I've been to preach some more. Can any forbid water after you have received the Holy Spirit? Now, this is the formula that we all must follow. Are y'all seeing this in text? Well, I got the Holy Spirit. I don't need to be baptized. Well, according to Scripture, they were baptized. Can you say, can, no, because, no, well, we're going to see in a moment, in just a moment, that he commanded them to be baptized. We see here in the text, but first of all, let's deal with this a little bit further. Can any forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? See, when you have a good conscience toward God, when you have a good conscience toward God, let, 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 me, let, me, let me read this first. Let me read this first. Peter indicated that he wanted them to be baptized. Immersed. Baptism. Baptized means to immerse. So when an individual is baptized, they go down and in the name of Jesus. Boom. They come back up. They're immersed in water. They're immersed. They're immersed. And but baptism is not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but of a good conscience toward God, as 1 Peter 3 and 21 tells us. Go to that first Peter three twenty one. I'm trying to get here and not gear too fast. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter three and verse twenty one. There is also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you have a good conscience toward God, it helps you not when things are going well, but when things are not going so well. 
when the enemy tries to separate you from God, you can go to God and say, you know what? I know God still loves me. I know God still loves me. Yeah, I messed up, but he still loved me. Because as soon as you mess up, the enemy tried to run you out of the church. Like, well, nobody understand it. They can't believe you messed up. They can't believe because you know you holy so-and-so. Everybody knows that you do right all the time. But as soon as you mess up, the enemy said, now look at you. What kind of example are you going to be? And so he'll try to keep you away from God. But the answer of a good conscience toward God said, you know what? I messed up, but Jesus still loved me. And so you can, and so most people ain't got no problem going to God when things are going well. It's when they mess up. They say, you know what? I can't go to God now. That's when it, that's when it was good conscience toward God said, you know what? I messed up, but he still loved me. I mean, that's just, I call it, let's, lack of better terminology, kind of a mind game. The enemy tries to play with you. And he tries to keep you and separate you from God. Remember, who can separate us from God? Shall tribulations, shall trials, and so forth separate us from, really, the love of Jesus. And we need to have a good conscience toward God to understand that when we do mess up, we can still come to him. We don't run from the church, we run to the church. We don't run from Jesus, we run to Jesus. We might mess up on a the, on, on the Thursday. We didn't have a church on Sunday. Well, you still can come to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know what? I messed up. Please forgive me. And still have a good conscience toward God. You always want to have, be in a place where you're saying, God, you know what? No matter what I, good, bad, or in between, I'm still going to come to you. I'm still going to go to you. I'm still going to say, Jesus, you know what? I know you love me. Listen, you would have died for me unless you really love me. Because I know ain't nowhere in the world I could have took all that stuff you took for folks you didn't even, that messed up. Scripture says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So I need to understand that I'm in good standing with God, not because I'm doing right, but because what it says here in the text, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the resurrection that keeps me with a good conscience toward God. Jesus died and got back up. And that same Jesus who's alive right now gives us a good conscience toward God. And so, yeah. Okay, okay, all right, let me see. Anybody been saved over uh, three days? Three years. Let's say three years, three years. How many have messed up in those three years? All right. How many have asked God to forgive them these three years? All right, so listen, you ain't the only one. But the enemy, as soon as you mess up, will try to isolate you and say, you know what, don't, don't do this, that, and the other. I, don't go, go to church. Don't pray. Don't study the word. Why? But a good conscience will get you back in right standing with God. So make sure we stay. Now, when things are going well, we don't think about that kind of stuff. But when things, when we mess up, to me, that's what, in my opinion, that's what he's talking about there. We want to have a good conscience toward God. Thank God for a good conscience toward God. Woo, shut up. Now, when our conscience is good, it's just that our decision making is being guided by God's truth. And that's what we're saying. We're still being guided by God's truth. But we just we got to repent, then we got to get back right with God. We should want the person who knows all truth to be our compass in life. We want to make sure that he is our compass, a moral compass on what's good and what's not good. Now, in the last part of this particular text, in Acts 10 and 48, remember now, he's, he just told them they need to be baptized. But in verse 48, he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. 
he ordered them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Now, when I thought about this, I said, oh, boy, that's kind of, that's, that's, that was rough right there. They magnified God and got the Holy Spirit. Now, remember now, this, this Peter's first time in their house. <laughs> now he commanded folks what to do up in there. You know, you got to be a brave brother or sister to do something like that. Because some people, you start commanding them first time in their house. Like, hold on, who you think you are? <laughs> so, you know, you have to kind of be led by the Spirit. But we read it here in Scripture, so we know it had to be, it's true. The thing that I'm looking at here when he commanded them, the commandment was not for Peter, but the commandment is for those who want to do what's right by God. When you want to do right by God, you don't mind being ordered because you want to do what's right by God. They commanded him, yes, but go to 1 John 5, 3. The commandment is, commandments of God are not burdensome because we want to be right by God. We don't mind Peter telling us, hey, you need to be baptized. Okay, Peter, no problem. You know why? Because I want to be right by God. But he, Peter had to wait to after they received the Holy Spirit before he gave that commandment. Because now the Holy Spirit can help him carry out the commandment. See, sometimes you try to tell folks to do stuff, but they ain't got the Holy Spirit. It'll be hard for them to follow Oh, you know, God said you need to love your neighbor, love those who despitefully use you, pray for those who despitefully use you. Folks ain't got the Holy Spirit like, man, who, I ain't praying for that. Why? The Holy Spirit ain't helping you working with that individual. See, the Holy Spirit helps keep, help you keep the commandments. How you gonna keep commandments without the Holy Spirit? Now, ones that are easy to do, ain't no problem. Let me love that person right there. Oh, they so sweet and nice and so forth. But God, then God said, well, love this and over him. Oh, wow, well, God, because they mean and hateful. Well, Holy Spirit will help you to love those folks that are got a mean and hateful attitude. I got a half an amen right there. I know y'all didn't want to hear that, but that's okay, though. That is fine by me. It's still truth. You know, because the Holy Spirit going to help you. That's why the Holy Spirit is there to help us keep his commandments. Thank God the Holy Spirit is there to help us keep his commandments. See, and we need the Holy Spirit to do right by God. We need it. Oh, like, you may not need it, but I know I need the Holy Spirit to do right by God. Because if I don't have the Holy Spirit to do right by God, well, I might be given some Sunday, some Sunday I might not be given. I'm just being real with you. That'd be sometimes I'd be loving you, sometimes I would. Sometimes I'd be praying, sometimes I wouldn't. Sometimes I'd be studying the scripture, sometimes I would. Sometimes I'd be giving you, oh, I'm so not here, you're so can. Yeah, now. Then you look at me all funny. I'm like, well, you ain't getting no can because you look at me fine. No, no, here we go. Holy Spirit will help you get your attitude right. And see, people that don't mind doing right, listen to me, people that want to do right, they, they, they thank God for the Holy Spirit because it helps us to do right by God. How many, ever, uh, how many know that the Holy Spirit helps you to do right by God? I mean, in that, I hope that's plain to you. When Peter commanded them to do it, he went after the Holy, they received the Holy Spirit. And he told them to do right. First Peter, I'm sorry, Lord, I got almost sidetracked. First John 5, 3. I'm in James. Hold on just a moment. First John chapter 5. Verse 3. For this is love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. 
But somebody says, it's hard living for God. Quit lying. Scripture says his commandments are not what? All right, let me try that again. His commandments are not what? His commandments are not what? All right, that means they're not hard to do. So anytime somebody says, living for Jesus is hard. Now hold on now. See, that's not scripture. That's not scripture. But I believe it takes the Holy Spirit for that to come to pass. Because I used to think live for God was hard too. But when I got the Holy Spirit and scripture was real to me, I'm like, okay, hold on now. All they supposed to tell me to live for God is hard. Ain't read scripture. You see, because somebody lying. Now, who you think I'm going to, whose side I'm going to stand on? His side. Because, you know, them folks that say live for Jesus ain't hard really don't want to live for Jesus in the first place. Let's be real about it. When you want to do right, the Holy Spirit can help you. The Holy Spirit can help you want to do right. If you really want to love like Jesus wants you to love, the Holy Spirit can help you do right. When you want to uh, get rid of certain attitudes in your life, the Holy Spirit can help you to do right. When you want to obey the commandments of God, the Holy Spirit can help you obey the commandments of God. The Holy Spirit is there to help us to do what's right. Amen? Let me see. Let me read this last thing I want to give to you. Obeying God is not burdensome to those who want to do right by God, as 1 John 5 and 3 tells us. It's important that we chase, run, seek, and desire Jesus so he will give us strength and ability to do right by him, by his people, and by his house. We're going to do right by God. Who tells somebody we're going to do right by him? Come on, tell somebody else we're going to do right by him. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. I'm done. The Holy Spirit is there to help us to do right. The Holy Spirit is there to help us to do right. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.